Hi, and welcome to today's podcast episode, a little bit after noon on Wednesday, April 6th, recovery day from opening day. Um, how my Tarda commute was, and a handful of other things to share before um, a return to the podcast um, by my friend and executive director of NAMI, because um, she has important walk info. Um, that's Robin Eisenberg. So Robin will be along shortly to answer plenty of questions that I have about the upcoming NAMI walk. It has been, um, it was nothing a couple of years ago for the obvious reasons. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of virtual and, and, and satellite. Last year, uh, myself and others were at different locations to uh, help raise money for all the great that NAMI does here in our community. So Robin will answer those questions and we probably have to settle up whether or not I'm coming to Passover, which I think is late this year. All right, um... My Tartar ride yesterday was uneventful. And that's that's totally fine. Um, there's really not much to share. I'll tell you the most nostalgic moment. Because if you've followed any of my content, you know that uh, I've always been a big fan of wanting Tartar to work. Because when I was a kid, I used public trans- tra- transportation all the time. Um, I would travel with my dad because he used it to get... Uh, to and from work, uh, both a bus and then an L, like the thing in Chicago. Um, it was our TARDA in Philadelphia. SEPTA was contracted with the Philadelphia public school system for my middle school. Uh, so it was uh, it was a part of my life. Using public transit was never foreign. It was foreign when I moved to Detroit. And I was like, wait, there isn't any? Oh, the Motor City. Got it. And the residue of the Motor City is here because of you know Jeep and the car building that happens here. So that's why there's a larger aversion to public transit here and some other things um, than other places. But I want to make it work here because as as I've said so many times, for us to meet our visions of of growth in Toledo, to keep people here, to attract people here, um, public transit has to be an integral part. Not a a vital part. Not everybody's got to use it, but it's got to be part of the equation. And after my trip yesterday, I will definitely work it into um, my trips because it was... My nostalgia, by the way, came as the rumbling of this massive motor vehicle seamlessly, but in a little bumpy way, went over the potholes that we're so that we're so frightened of. And and just the rattling of the bus took me back to the sights, feels, and sounds of when I had that, when I literally rode every day in middle school to and from. Um, it was on time, like immediately on time. Um, my my one criticism, not even a uh, sure, take it as a criticism. It would be better if once I found out where I had to go to pick up the bus, if the signs were brighter. I have driven past this intersection at airport airport in Bernath thousands of times. I never recall seeing the TARDA sign. It's very small. It being bitter, uh, it being bigger, more visible would uh, achieve two things. Um, one one less, one smaller barrier to go get a bus. And two, it's great marketing. Um, it was on time. In fact, there were so I was wondering if there's so few people along a route, doesn't that mean that they're gonna get to their other stops before people might be expecting it? I figured out how they avoid that. Um, halfway through the commute, somewhere on south, I think, like halfway between Burn and the trail. Um, the bus just idled for several minutes. So if you ever seen idling Tarda bus, they're, they're playing with time, waiting for time to catch up so that 
if someone's pickup time or bus stop time says 11.10, the bus doesn't get there at 11.07 or 11.05 and just see no one there and they keep going. So the operation itself, like the functionality and usage of the bus is 1,000% A+, super pass across the board. Okay? Um, I didn't take the bus home. Um, I didn't exactly, I, I could have, but there were two times to catch, 3.30, 5.30, and I went past that. It was a fantastic, wonderful open opening day, and you think the introvert in me is so much against that. Well, one, but this is even before I had any any alcohol. That obviously helps the matter to loosen things up, although I see so many people that I know, so many people that have allowed this area uh, to become my home, there's no anxiety. I, I that, that was my neighborhood for 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, for six years, and it has changed a lot. But the buildings, so many of the people, the smells, the sounds, they were the beginning of my home here in Toledo. So it was a fantastic opening day. I hope you got to see uh, some of the pictures, and I encourage you um, to use Tarda. Next time you're going downtown, because parking is getting more and more problematic, because I would say parking can't keep up with the amount of people coming downtown, use the bus. It was not that much longer than me driving downtown. Now, me driving downtown is a pain in the butt to take south across the city. I hate it, but please consider it. And one of the things I had said to uh, my friends at Tarda in a a brainstorming meeting a couple weeks ago is like, you need an app. And in that app, I need to know everything, everything, everything. Um, even like potentially uh, GPS positioning. Um, and I don't think I need that because I use the Maps app. So go into the Maps app and that's how I find my directions. Um, usually we just plug our route in and see that it takes, you know, 11 minutes for me to get uh, from where I live to work or whatever it is. There are other icons there that we often overlook. Um, it will tell you how long and what route um, for me to walk to work and then over another one, there is a public transit icon. And right there in an app we all use regularly, the Maps app, at least on my iPhone, go in there, pull open the public transit icon, and you'll see exactly what I saw and what I've shared in some social places. Um, where your bus stop is, the name of the bus route, 32-something I grabbed, where to pick it up, the route it will take, um, and the duration of your transit time. I think... Um, I was picked up at 11.08, and it said drop-off would be 11.40, and sure as anything, that was dead on. So while GPS would be nice to see exactly where, if you're late for a bus or you got to finish something up and you think you want to take an extra moment or so and you can look and see the bus is two or three lights away or a mile away, might not be necessary if you know those buses will be exactly on time. And you know I love punctuality, even though I'm bad at it in the sense that I'm chronically early. Um, A couple other things before we pull in Robin. Um, I saw a tweet from, I'm just going to leave it out there. They were happy in their new line of work because they had left a place of work that asked them to do emails after hours, asked them to do work after hours, and had all these these challenging asks. Um, Now, with that particular line of work, it doesn't stop. It does not, and and I take it upon myself. I'm actually going to post something that you might enjoy in a couple of days of what my day looks like. So I take it upon myself so that I can give you the best content possible when I wake up in the morning and I hop into my phone. I'm looking for content. It is work 
that I can share with you here on the air on social. It's work. Um, now, look, I also take advantage of the flexibility that I have when coming into the studio. Um, but if there's something, there's a great Justin Bieber story that I I will share someplace. Here's the story. He is including free mental health help on his upcoming tour. I saw that last night, I think. I wasn't on the clock, but I set that aside because it has become work content. So you need to know like what kind of line of work you're getting into and that if you're always going to if you're always going to have to be on um hope or ask for flexibility which I am very thankful to have in what I in what I do um part and parcel with that next week when I go to speak at Perrysburg uh, for their career day on Thursday um I'm not going to talk about radio a whole heck of a lot and the mechanics of what I do and how this works. A couple of broad things, not even broad things, just some of my tenants. And when I say preparation is separation, like I just told you, when I get up in the morning, I'm already working on the content. I'm not on the clock, um, but that preparation allow preparation is separation. I think it was a Russell Wilson quote. Um, but be prepared. What's the... Older saying, um, be prepared or prepare to fail, something like that. Um, very pithy and, and worthwhile as well. So when I go next week, I'm not going to talk much about radio at, at all. It's just going to be doing your homework. At least the beginning of it will be. Um, I knew that when I first got into radio, and this goes back to the person who left their job, which asked a lot of them, and it was kind of always on, and it's not for everybody. Um, my last job before here was crippling. Because I would get emails at 5 o'clock on a Thursday or Friday saying, like, something needed to be on the air. This massive project for, like, 6 a.m. the next morning. Uh, there were people who created these projects on the West Coast and didn't respect our time. And and it ached because we had to get it done. Um, so I can understand why that person was happy to get out of that always on. And there is a fine line between always on and being agreeable to that, but also... It allowing you to have flexibility. You've got to find your sweet spot, and I hope your employer will work with you on that. And ultimately, you'll have to make the decision. Now is as good a time as ever to walk away from an employer because, as I've read recently, it's not the great resignation. It's the great job switch, where there was another neat phrase. People aren't just resigning and not working. They're taking other jobs. That's for another podcast. Um, but the... I knew when I got into this, when I was kicking around radio, and I remember having these talks with my dad in 98 and 99, in the last century, I, I, I understood. Um, and I don't know how my dad knew. Maybe it's just, it was not common knowledge. I was going to move around a lot. Comes with media. It's still happening. Uh, there were going to be unfamiliar places. There were going to be places I might not like living a whole lot. I was going to be away from home and a comfort zone. And I was ready for that. I, I embraced it. Um, and as you know, I'm done moving, but I did my homework. If I would have gotten into radio thinking, I'm going to work in Philadelphia at Q102 or another radio station. Yeah, isn't it funny? Q105, that was Q102, my favorite station growing up, which I got to work at. Imagine if I had gotten into radio thinking, I'm going to live and work in radio my entire life in Philadelphia. I would have gotten hit with a massive uppercut that would have knocked out all my teeth. I went into it with my homework done and I was prepared. That's what I often try to share and what I will share with the Perrysburg students. 
Whatever you think you're interested in, whatever you're thinking about pursuing, how much is it going to cost for your college education? How many classes are you going to have to take that don't pertain to you getting that degree? Is a trade smarter? What comes with that occupation? Here's another thing. Is that occupation something that's going to shrink? Not necessarily due to jobs going overseas, but because of like with me, um, it's just a shrinking industry and automation. Far more jobs are lost to automation and AI and mechanization than someone across the planet. Will your industry shrink and you'll have to claw for everything that I've had to over the last 10 years to remain in it? Do your homework before you get into what you wanted to get into. Um, one more miniature rant and then something else you can help me out with. My first sports love. You've seen this post before, and let me pull it up so I don't get it wrong. And I'm not specifically calling anybody out, but um, it's one of these. Anytime somebody asks you, you know, a hairdresser for cheap, mechanic for cheap, caterer for cheap, you, you, you know, you're familiar with this. No, no, I don't. I do know several, pe- several well-qualified professional tradespeople that charge a fair, well-deserved price for their services. Um, let me give you something that I made a note for myself, and I'll come back to my response to that. And look, there's sometimes I get caught up in, in things like this. Um, there is another side to those types of things, but we have distilled the world down to three sentences with catchy font or a neat background. And it's a meme world. It's a meme culture. We, we, we think that the next meme we see, the next smart internet saying, is literally going to change the shape of our lives. And it might. And, and I'll tell you this. Either you're in a really, really, really bad spot and you needed that, or you were already on the precipice and that pithy little internet saying just gave you the final motivation. But you, I'm going to think you were already there. But we have distilled, have you ever heard, like, we lack nuance and that's why Twitter is filled with so much chaos and even Facebook and, look, people do take things without context and make terrible arguments when someone else should be allowed to provide that context. Um, But we have truly distilled the world down to just a couple of sentences, and the world is not that simple. Um, As much as I can be black and white, the world is truly a tapestry of rainbow colors, kind of like when we go into our phones and we want to edit something and the entire spectrum of color comes up. That's how the world works, not three sentences in a meme. Can I give you the other side of that? Um, What if... And this is me playing devil's advocate. This is me being the uh, an attorney or acting like an attorney, giving another side of the argument. What happens if they were asking for a hairdresser or photographer for cheap because they just lost their job and they have an opportunity, they have a job interview, um, but they they look like a mess and they need to get their hair taken care of so they can look presentable going into the job. And I know it's totally fair to go, someone's appearance shouldn't matter. It's about their skills, qualification, and what I love, merit. But there is a certain base level standard. Um, a photographer, hey, I need new, can you do a headshot for me? Because it's it's what I need and how I look now for the jobs I'm applying for. Um, a mechanic, how about this one? And I could give you examples, and I think I've planted the seeds for you to see where I'm going with this. Hey, does anybody know a mechanic for cheap? Because I have an opportunity uh, for, for job interview, but... This piece of junk car, which I am excited to get rid of or finally get fixed by getting this job, but I can't get to it now. Can you help me out? And I'm not trying to take advantage of somebody or go on the cheap. I want somebody who will do a good job and I will pay them 
on their merit and not try to skate by. But look, help me out. Um, And that's my point. We distill things down to a meme or a couple of sentences when, again, there is a spectrum of context out there that we overlook. And when we overlook these things, we wind up in angry, chaotic internet battles and nobody wins. And I'm not trying to, to argue against the sentiment of that meme about underpaying people. Um, But there are other circumstances that people are in and the world is not that simple. Uh, I see there's a story, uh, Building Back Better, that Christian Brown did for 13 ABC. There are more kids in the City League playing baseball than last year. That's great. I love that. Baseball is my first love, my first sport. It connects me. It's It's the DNA helix that weaves me and my dad together. It's the sport we talk about most. It's the the game that I've been to most games in my life. Um, and I don't love it like I used to, but I still love to follow it just as much. And I love it from a different perspective. And for as long as I've been alive, there has been a push to get inner city kids, black kids, playing baseball, um, RBI, reviving baseball in the inner city. And a friend of mine is a part of the initiative here. Um, the city league and I think pal are looking for some donations of equipment. Look, I get it. Uh, baseball to kids in the suburbs, in inner city, all over is not cool. Like when I was growing up, there are other more appealing sports where you can make a lot more money faster. And we can talk about the odds another time, but, uh, let's give these kids an opportunity. Um, before they go, yeah, I'd play, but I can't afford, you know, a ba- basketball's free. I can just find a hoop and somebody's got a ball. Um, and there is a ruthless, cold organization of sports, whereas people my age and older and a little bit younger just go outside and play ball. Like, I know that doesn't happen like it used to because everything is so ruthlessly organized and expensive and kids have hours, they have endless content. Uh, on their phones and video games to play uh, a thousand times more than what I had for my Nintendo and my computer games and then AOL. But uh, let's give these kids the choice of, hey, if you want to have a catch and you know try some baseball out because you got a field now that Danny Thomas Park is all built up. Here's a glove and you want some cleats too. I can hook you up with that. Let me get you some baseballs. So if you know of any place that can hook these kids up with some baseball equipment, let's at least give them the opportunity to make the choice. And if they're like, Baseball is not cool. Um, I, I'm i not interested in it. It's too slow. I don't think I'll ever make it. It'll take me too long to make money when I can just keep playing wide receiver for high school and maybe make some money in a couple of years and get a scholarship. There are far, uh, I think only half of Division One baseball teams, like half of a baseball team gets scholarships. Everybody else pays because they're often affluent kids. But let's give these kids that we've been trying to help for my entire life the choice. Here's my friend Robin Eisenberg, the executive director of NAMI here in Greater Toledo. But I get along with everybody. I was telling my... You're an Ashkenazic Jew, probably from Eastern Europe. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, that's what your that's what the your background sh- is. That's what your blood is, probably. The Shiloh and the pound of flesh? I don't know what that is. You're, what are you, Russian, Romanian? Funny you bring that up. German? I'm, I'm going to leave this in the podcast. Um, and the other part, like the real nuts and bolts, will go on the... So I'm doing London Mitchell's show. He's not here anymore. I know. I saw that. So I'll put that on. But this goes on the podcast. Okay. Well, after um, the red light's on, by the way, I'll handle all this stuff. Um, with the with the Ukraine stuff that was happening. Wait, slide a different way so I can see your face. You want me to move this? 
Sit that way. Yeah, that's good. Um, When the young young woman, she's probably close to my age, I was trying to help her out and she was doing all this fundraising and stuff. Uh, It made me dig into my roots and I, all my friends have yelled at me because I don't know my background really well. So I decided to like kick that tree a little bit. I, I always knew it was like generally speaking Eastern Europe. And I think my dad said at least half of his grandparents are from Ukraine. And then my uncle... My mom's brother uh, said that at least half of his grandparents are from Ukraine. So a large part of my background is from there. And mine too. There we go. But it wasn't Ukraine back then. It was Russia. Yes, everything was Russia. Yeah. Very awful. This yeah. is all very disgusting. And, and it is, I, I, I don't know if you have this rule, but I do my very best. I always tell people, don't make any uh, comparisons to Hitler because you're going to get it. It's going to get wrong and it's going to get ugly. Uh, but this is pretty damn close when when he says like they don't they shouldn't exist. Like that's Hitler talk. Oh, and it's awful. Scary. So, yeah. All right. Um, so all right, real red light time for things. So uh, where are we with the NAMI walk? Because it let, we didn't have it. The last, there was nothing two years ago. Right. Because the, the COVID uh, just steamrolled virtu- it. No, it was virtual. It just wasn't. And then last year, it was like satellite virtual, where supporters in the community were in different spots. I was at Brightview, um, which was neat to do it in in a modern way with all the social media. And Kevin did a great job creating a broadcast. So where do we stand now, and what's the date? The date is Saturday, May 21st. Um, it's going to be from 11 to 1. And... Uh, Walk Central will be at our new location on Secor Road. We have to talk so we about have that. We have a huge parking lot, and we're going to do activities. It probably won't be as large as it was at UTMC, because I don't think we can accommodate 1,000 people. But it will be pretty much a big portion of it will be in person in our parking lot Good. at our location. Central and Secor. And uh, by the time you might hear this, the grand opening, the ribbon cutting will have already happened. Yeah. But what's in store for those uh, ceremonies on uh, Thursday the 8th? Yeah, so it's not Central and Secor. It's on Secor across from the Toledo Clinic. Okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we're down it, a little bit further. There's a good Asian restaurant right there. Are you talking about Jing Xuan? Yes. Yes. Like authentic. Chinese food. Yeah. they Some of the best Chinese food in I've Toledo. I've heard. And I think there's another spot uh, that's right down the street in this, one of the plazas. I can't think of what it is, but I know that spot. QQ Kitchen? Not, it- not QQ. Um, it's at Sylvania and Secor. Oh, really? Is there an I'll Asian place? I'll have to look it up. But yeah, the Jing Shuan I've heard. I've, yep. I've got to get it back on my list. Yep. So you'll just eat, a couple doors down from you'll us. You'll eat well when you uh, want to grab some lunch. Exactly. Um, what's what's entailed for the uh, for the ribbon cutting? So the ribbon cutting is Friday, this Friday from 3 to 5. Okay. And uh, the Toledo Chamber of Commerce is coming out to actually do the ribbon cutting Sandy? with us. Sandy Spang. Spang yes. I think she's been invited. I don't know if she's coming for sure. Okay. Um, that's a question that Kevin probably knows the answer to. Um but the mayor will be there. There will be some elected officials there. I'm not sure exactly who. Like I said, representatives from the mental health board will be there and the chamber. And then, of course, we want participants and family members and walkers and sponsors and anybody who supports NAMI or is interested in what NAMI is doing to come out and join us and see our new space, take a tour. Um, if they haven't signed up for the walk yet, they can do that there. Mary will be there taking walk registrations, registering teams. And any team captain that um, signs up and raises $100 is going to get one of these nifty It's Okay to Not Be Okay t-shirts that we're giving away and 
uh, that's great, just fun stuff. I mean, we were really excited about that space. So just to be clear, uh, if you're not hearing this on Sunday morning, this happened a couple of days ago or whenever you're getting to the podcast. So where can people, uh, I mean, the obvious stuff is the website or, or social or wherever. Where can people find out everything they need to know, including how to sign up for the walk, which is coming up in just a little over a month? Yeah, definitely the website, definitely um, our Facebook page or Instagram and um they can call us, you know, we have the same phone number, 419-243-1119. Talk to Mary. You know, she's been our walk manager for many, many years, and we can get people signed up. Or now we're open for business. If you want to stop by, not on Friday, next week, whatever, and just take a look at our new digs and um, get signed up for the walk, you can do that. Um, we're really excited about this. I, I think um, not only are we excited to host a walk in our own parking lot, but... Um, I think that this new space that we have, because it's, you know, we have a huge parking lot, we've got large meeting rooms, we've got room for staff to spread out. I think this is a space, it's a community space. I think it's a great place for the community to um, gather to support mental wellness and mental health. And um, we're just really, really excited about it. Yeah, because before with you were with the Neighborhood Properties Building, and it was kind of like sharing a facility, sharing a conference room. This is more all you guys, especially now that you've gotten all the water out of it. Oh, yeah, that was a mess. That Yeah, we, we moved in in November, <laughs> and... A month later, the place was underwater. Yeah. We have a pool. Of a flood. Yeah, we knew that we had it. We were going to do aqua therapy in addition to art therapy. Exactly. So, um, took a couple months to get it cleaned up. I can imagine uh, nobody wants water where they live or where they work because it's a mess. But um, well worth getting all cleaned up for your own facility. Now, what's uh, in, let's zoom out a little bit. What has been the hardest thing for you guys, and what you have encountered for people coming to you for help, other than the obvious? the barriers and unable to be like what's when people are calling you or Mary what are they saying because obviously the world has been very challenging the last couple of years well the calls have increased sure and people are just thrilled that we're back doing in-person groups and art support workshops and meeting with individuals and families um, because that's been really tough Um, mental illness is isolating in and of itself and to um, have to basically close down NAMI for a year and a half or two years um, wasn't cool. So um, now I think it's, we've opened back up. Our groups are growing again. We're almost back up to the the levels we were pre-pandemic. Our art support workshops are now happening in our, a lot of them are happening in our building. it's just really exciting. And we've got a, enough space in there to bring um, communities, community organizations and groups and businesses and stuff together to meet where we are. Good. Um, and Harbor's, you know, Harbor, it's, a, it's Harbor's building that we're in. Um, their management team is in the same building with us, which is great. It's nice to have, um, you know, more people in there mm-hmm. than, than when we first moved in. So it's very exciting. I I'm a little disappointed is not the right word. I'm hopeful that the numbers blow past um, the attendance before the pandemic because there are that many people now who are more conscious of their mental health. I, I can say this with you and you'll understand, but this has been my my chorus all along. If I'm able to okay, if I'm okay. If I'm able to manage through something okay because I can sit in a room by myself and isolate and I'm good with that. Um, if something is good for me, it's probably bad for everybody else. And it really was like it was eye opening because this, you know, this is my life. It's it's talking about this stuff, talking about mental health, how I go about it, how it's always a, it's a growing creature and I've got to stay on top of it. It's that 
dogs or comic stuff that nobody cares about. Um, everybody else came, everybody, the whole world came into my wheelhouse of mental health because they, they had to stop ignoring it and they realized the things that they might scoff at before and, and not be out and out mean like, oh, you're just being crazy, get off. No, like none of that stuff, but that they really have to dig into it. Um, as I said to some Perrysburg teachers back in January, um, it was a mental health training, a personal development day. I said, you're all here because you feel a lot worse than you did two years ago, just like most of the, the rest of the human population. So it's been bad, and I'm, I'm glad people are coming out and finding the resources that have always been there. So I hope those numbers skyrocket past where they were. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think that everybody now kind of understands coming off this pandemic what it feels like to struggle with mental health challenges. I think every, I don't think, I, I would, it, it would be odd to find somebody who doesn't understand what it feels like to um, have those down feelings and feel isolated and um, stressed out and things like that. So I think that's a positive for, you know, NAMI and for mental health awareness. Um, And, you know, that's always been our mission, mental Mm -hmm. health awareness, right? We want no one to travel that mental health journey alone. So that's what we're here for. I've said it on on this program uh, Sunday mornings often, and people are probably sick of it, but I've said it now for two years on the podcast and beyond. The silver lining, the brightest silver lining of this pandemic, and it's terrible that we're going to lose a million American lives, but 330 million American lives have been affected, many with mental health and, and other anguish, financial distress. But the silver, the bright silver lining beaming through everything is people are going to address their mental health now and they're not going to sit on it and wait for it to go away. Many more people are going to get into it and try to find solutions as they would as like what I've said from the outset. You break a bone, you go get an x-ray. That's Your right. brain's not feeling right. Now you're going to go find somebody. The unfortunate thing is, and that's the next question I want to ask you is, every counselor or therapist is backed up for six months. How can you guys help help the people out? Yeah, that is a bit, that is absolutely true. And the other thing on top of that is that there's a lot of terms over at the mental health facility. Yeah, they're, so, they're uh, uh, burned out. Yeah, they're burned out. And I think people, you know, they leave for other opportunities. I mean, this is, I think this, our entire world has just kind of been turned upside down. And I think it's going to take us a while to for it to settle into, you know, into some kind of normalcy. So, but. so when I, I am constantly getting asked, hey, can you recommend the therapist? I'm like, absolutely. Can you wait six months? Um, even with the best insurance, pay out of pocket, there's just everybody's backed up because everybody's catching up on, on on appointments or going for the first time. So how do you guys, how can you help someone in that interim before they can see a professional? Well, not only are they, you know, waiting, but now you got an influx of new people that need to get assessed and want appointments. So now you got, you got oh, more Those are folks. the ones I'm talking about. Yeah. Not like, just the ones that, you know. See, the, see those people anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, NAMI's got family navigators, so um, I suggest folks call us and speak to one of our family navigators to talk about, you know, who might be a good fit. I mean, they've got a little bit of inside information about who's taking clients, who's not taking clients, what the wait times are. Um, They they know they can look at someone's insurance and tell them, okay, you might want to try this, this, and this. Um, So there's our family navigators. And then in the interim... um, there's always our support groups. There's always our art support workshops. Let, let's break that down a little bit. What are the support groups? Give me an idea of what, what it's like for someone to come into one of those. Okay, well, we, we have two support groups that are running weekly right now. We have one for partic- someone who's for folks who have a diagnosis, so um, participants, individuals who are living with mental illness themselves. Um, that's weekly. And then we also have a family group because we know that mental illness is um, a family 
issue, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it affects the entire family. So we have a family group as well. Uh, we also have a virtual twice a month um, peer support group. So if you're not comfortable, you know, walking into NAMI and sharing in person with um, a group of people, there's a virtual one that's a little maybe less threatening. So we've got that. That's twice a month. Um, we've always got our art support workshops. I'm gonna, I'll come back to that because okay. that's a really exciting part of NAMI that is pretty distinctive and something very special to NAMI of Greater Toledo. Let's go backwards to the support groups, uh, both the individual diagnosis and family ones. What can people like say I'm walking into that support group with a bipolar diagnosis? What am I going to encounter? Who am I going to see? What's the session going to be like? Um well, everything, all of our groups are led by um, peers, so with lived experience. So um, you can rest assured that whoever's leading the group, leading the conversation, you know, keeping everybody, you know, timing people, making sure folks are mentally okay and don't need immediate help, um, those are all folks who have lived experience. So um, it's they are folks that understand and um you know, they're empathetic and they, you know, they, they really have their pulse on, you know, what, how and people are feeling or might be feeling. Sometimes that can be, it's not going to be stronger than a medication or the best therapist that you can find. But with anything, we all want to feel a part of something. And like I've always said, you know, it te- the, the depression, your brain tells you that, that you're alone. Nobody, ev- nobody else feels like you feel right now. And sometimes just... Um, seeing other people say the same things is comforting and can give you that little bit of push to go, okay, I'm going to hold off for the therapist. I'm going to wait out the, I'm going to get that appointment. I'm going to take the medication because I see other people who look, act, feel, and sound just like me. And that can be just enough to maybe save a life. Sure. And you, and you might encounter people that, you know, are really far along on their mental health recovery journey and that can provide hope to folks. I mean, some, some folks might be like, oh, okay, look at that person. They really have have it look like they have it together, seem like they have it together. They're holding a job. They're, you know, seeing their therapist. They're taking their meds. They're stable. Um, so that can that can provide hope to, you know, someone who's really struggling. So And the family groups do the same thing. Absolutely. And, and you know, nobody can travel that recovery journey without some kind of support system. I mean, you can probably attest to that. you got to have some kind of support system. Somebody who cares about you. Somebody who's on your side, got your back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... But, but that can be stressful for the family members as well. So NAMI's there to make sure that those family members have tools in their toolkits to help them best support their loved one. How do the art, uh, how, do, how do Kristen's art shops, art workshops go forward and help people? Because some, some people might have read over the last couple of years um, some meditational calming things, some grounding things, and art could sef- certainly be a part of that. Yeah, you don't have to be an artist to participate in those art support workshops. They're, they provide, in my opinion a non-threatening way to express yourself. Um, perhaps you're not perhaps you're not comfortable speaking in a support group session. So maybe an art support workshop might be an easier way for you to express your feelings um, without having to come right out and talk about things. Um, we do encourage folks to share their art and what it means to them and what their journey's like, but we don't certainly don't mandate it. I mean, if you don't want to talk about it and you just want to express yourself with some painting or some drawing or Hey, have at it. We're mm-hmm. we're okay with that. It's just another positive way to, um, you know, to find some support. How often do the art uh, workshops happen? Oh, we've got. We, I I don't even off the top of my head. I don't even know how many we're okay. running now. I know that we are starting to do a lot more in person. You know, during 
COVID, we were doing a lot of virtual stuff. We, we ran a few of them virtually, but we had to give up a lot of the ones that we had out in the community because we couldn't be together in person. So, so those are starting to open up now. So if some, how, I didn't know that, I thought they were just uh, in, in the building. I didn't know that they were like satellites. So you'll take an artwork, Kristen will take an art workshop out to a place. She has been doing that over, yeah, pre-COVID she was doing that. Good. We were doing them at the Wernert Center. We were doing them at um, the Correctional Treatment Facility downtown. We were doing them at Arrowhead Behavioral Health. We were doing we're doing them at Talbot Health. We're how doing about, them all over the place. How about, I mean, those are- The Ability uh, Center. Those are places that are deeply connected to mental health, and I'm sure you were, you were as happy or at least had more questions with the news the other day that some mental health money is going to fund into the jail now um, because that place can certainly certainly has people with mental health issues and creates them. So can, yeah. that's something I'm going to follow. But yeah. what about, what about just like, like we talked about, this is a normal person thing. Now this is regular discourse. We will Kristen take that stuff out to an office if they ask. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that NAMI does, and this is kind of new to us the past couple of years is that we have a program called stigma free company where we um, will go out and educate a company um, about the, about mental health in the workplace and how important it is for um, co-workers and managers and supervisors and employees to understand that your mental health really affects your work and um, it can it can affect the company's bottom line it can Everything. affect your relationships in the workplace so we, we have that stigma free company free education program that we'll go out and do anywhere and then oftentimes um, some companies will ask us to bring in a creative expressions workshop you know for during a lunch hour lunch and learn or something like that and we've been doing that as well um, because mental illness is all over the place. I mean, I you know we we really have to recognize that it's not just in the family; it's everywhere. So the, the workplace is important, and and I like what you brought up about productivity. And maybe ten years ago, it was this this unicorn, this panacea to take care of your employees holistically, and there were yoga mats and yeah, like that's that, fine, that, but that, that that's fine. But nobody nobody can do anything without their brain working correctly. That's true, and we all have to worry about in one way or another paying for our our health care. Mm-hmm. And my mind tore my physical body up. Um, thankfully, I got that fixed. But if my mind's tearing my body up, I can't work. Um, I wind up on some kind of disability or FMLA. Um, if I had things like EAPs available to me, if I had creative expressions instead of another meeting just to have a meeting and I'm, I'm a lot more like truly engaging that holistic way of taking care of employees, your insurance premiums might go down to take care of your employees. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> it, and it affects your bottom line. I mean, yeah. people are not productive if they're stressed they're, out. I or mean, they're not there. Or they're not there. They're not they, engaged. Exactly. They're sick. Exactly. So that is a message that we definitely are taking out into the community to companies is that you should think about being stigma-free and we'll Absolutely. help you. I mean, we we have a program that will just come in and do it for you. I'll, you don't even have to do it. figure it out yourself. We'll I'll, do it. I'll come lay down the line to these, uh, lay down the law to these places and <laughs> all you have to do is pay me in pizza or... Jing, Jing Shuan. Yeah. There <laughs> you want we some go. some Chinese food? Okay. From that place, that I work for food. <laughs> um, yeah, the world has has changed. And I personally, I was wondering, um, like, am I still going to be able to talk about mental health as this thing got rolling a couple of years ago? Um, and then I, I, and maybe that was just selfishness. I was in a point in my life where I wanted to make this a bigger part of what I did and will I get lost in the chorus and actually found it was quite the opposite that I needed to speak even louder because so many people, one of the things that you skipped over, which is not a problem at all earlier when we were going through the pandemic, they were sad, they were isolated. One thing I kept coming across is people were, they were dealing with anxiety because of all the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. 
you and I are pretty fortunate, pretty privileged to, our bills are going to get taken care of. But there were so many people who, if my Uh dog gets sick, I I can't afford to go to the vet because I'm not working. And as I know, like that animal means everything to you. Like literally around every blink of an eye was uncertainty. And... I think it's still here, too. Yeah. I mean, look at all the stuff that's going on in the world, and we've got inflation in this con- we got all kinds of things that are going to make people nervous and anxious and yeah. stressed out. I mean, um, so now more than ever, I think people, you know, it's it's important for us to be talking about how can we support one another? How can we help each other? How, you know, how that, can we make this okay? Last, last thing before uh, we loop back to uh, final walk stuff. Um, what about like uh, kids and teen workshops? Yeah, we're doing that too. So um, we have Kid Shop, Teen Shop, which is a Saturday mental health workshop uh, platform that we are doing. We've been doing that all through the pandemic. We, we were doing it in person, then we switched to virtual. And um, now we're, I think in a couple weeks, we're going to go back to in person. Now that we have this beautiful new space, we can have the kiddos and their parents come in. Um, those Saturday workshops are centered around um, mental health supports, mental health information and education. Uh, they have a lot of we have a lot of speakers that come in and and talk. We talk a lot about trauma. Um, so and that is has been wildly popular because um, parents have uh, have had a rough time too. The pandemic did a number on parents having to stay home, teach their kids. You know, how, nobody could go out. I mean, I don't. How, I'm glad I didn't have little kids because I'm not sure that I could have been. I could have. Handled well, all of that. We're, we're seeing what I was kind of afraid of. How can I bring up your, your daughter? Sure. How old's Morgan? 27. Okay. So Morgan could very easily be, uh, you could very easily be a grandmother. Oh, thank you very much, but no thank you. 27 <laughs> is a totally reasonable time. <laughs> yeah, it time. is. You're right. And, and we we have a generation, and I'm at the older end of that. Like millennials have been put through the ringer, and for a variety of reasons they they have taken the brunt of a lot of mental health anguish and this was before covid and they're at the parenting stage of their life and you know morgan has some mental health challenges that she's always addressing like myself there are millions of morgans and mm-hmm. if they're having a hard time managing their day how do they help their kids well they don't i mean uh, yeah they, they it's can't so hard. Or it's, it's so hard yeah exactly um yeah, yeah it's it, there's multiple layers of this yep. um but you know, Nami's here to help. That you know, everything is free. Everything is free, absolutely. Okay, we have yeah. That. We don't charge anybody for anything. We're we, we're totally supported by um, levy dollars. Which uh, you know what, yes. we should talk about that too because we yes. have a levy on the ballot and in, in May. Okay, so we figured this out. We're it's May third, the primary, or May fifth. I don't know. It's I one of those. It's definitely a Tuesday. So whatever that Tuesday. Okay, is. but I yeah. I know for sure now that the mental health levy that we renewed was it four it's years ago? Uh huh. My God, I remember when Crystal and Scott were in here. Yep. Whew, time flies, but the black and yellow signs are back. They are. It's a renewal. It funds all of this stuff. It funds Nami. And a and a cynic can say <laughs> nothing is free. I it's 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 coming out of it's by taxes. Yeah. Well, you just heard if you need help and you can't get to a therapist, go to Nami. Yeah, for free. And so. that, yeah, we are a big portion of our budget is funded by those levy dollars. Yep. So we are all about that levy passing um, because we want to be able to continue to to provide free services to folks in Lucas County. Um, and we actually have signs at NAMI too. So if any mental health levy signs. So if anybody's interested in putting a mental health levy sign out in their yard, stop by NAMI. We'll happily you know provide you with one. Um, and yeah, last last vote second, for it. Last second walk details uh, date. 
place, setting, how to get involved? Saturday, May 21st, 11 to 1 at our NAMI offices at 4334 Secor Road, right across from the Toledo Clinic. Um, we'll have some activities out there. Um, we're going to have a food truck. There you Hopefully go. we're going to have some <laughs> live music. Um, it won't you know, be the, the big thing that we've always had at UTMC because we were a little bit behind on the planning because we weren't really sure, sure what COVID was doing. Um, but it will be an in-person celebration, and we're excited to do it, and we're excited that we're going to be able to do it at our new location. I'll be there. Um, so good. Glad.